Welcome to this podcast, Little Girls on Taught This. I am your host, Lydia McCartney, self-love coach, mentor to women, trainee creative psychotherapist, that feminist friend you all need for no BS self-love. This podcast is unlike no other. We will delve into the nitty-gritty parts of self-love, including spirituality, mobility, mindset, business, everything that allows you to see you are capable of living a life that is limitless and that you are capable of allowing self-love to just open up endless possibilities that allow you to step into freedom, freedom for you and everything that you desire. My superpower is getting deep with women. It is going to those places that they hide away from and helping them turn their light on and understand that they are capable of anything and deserving of everything. So I hope you enjoy. Let's dive in. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for joining me. You're very, very welcome. I'm excited. It feels weird calling you Lisa because every time I talk about you, I call you the relationship coach. And I'm like, what actually is in it? And I'm like, oh yeah, Lisa, that's it. <laughs> yes, I get that quite a lot. And there are other relationship coaches out there. It's just um, Sinead Haig deemed me the relationship coach, which I'm very grateful for. You know, she did. She did last year through lockdown and she kept talking about, yeah, that's what yeah. is being queens now. But it's okay. It's good. It's good that you've got that title anyway. Excellent. I'll run with that any day of the week. Over <laughs> So introduce, for people who don't know anything about you, just introduce yourself. No problem. I am Lisa McFarland. I am a wife and a mum and a businesswoman. And um, this madness only just started for me about four or five years ago. Uh, My husband and I actually went to um, a coach and there was a situation that came up for us that we just had no skills and no tools to cope with. So we eventually um, went to a coach and she gave us tips and tools. And in conjunction with that, I was doing my life coaching course for my work at that time. I was, I was in HR. So it was just another little, uh, you know, be in my bonnet for my um, HR job and just sort of just encourage the younger women who were below me and things like that, older women as well. Um, and then um, someone said in, ni- in 2019, you should start a wee page. I think, Lydia, they were just sick listening to me, banging on about all the things. <laughs> do you know about, do you know about your limiting beliefs? Do you know how to set goals? Do you? And they were just like, yes, you've now told us all numerous times. So what about you just go as the wee page? So I had huge limiting beliefs about starting a page. One, I didn't know anything about Instagram. I had, knew a little bit about Facebook, but I didn't really know anything about Instagram. But um, a big believer that we step into fear and the universe rewards us on the other side. So I started doing little videos. And at the end of my videos, I would say, just a thought, just a thought, because they were just my thoughts. Yes, I was a trained life coach, but they were just my thoughts around relationships and things like that. And then COVID came. And I had been teaching little classes in our local area. Um, And when COVID came, obviously that little dream was down the toilet. Um, But because I'm a life coach and I know I have to have purpose every day, I -hmm. said the night that we were locked down, I said, tomorrow morning, I will be on Instagram every morning at 10 o'clock. And I will do that for this lockdown. And they told us it was going to be two weeks. So I was like, I can do that for 14 days. No problem. Get me up out of bed. My Kids were teenagers. They didn't need me necessarily in the morning. I knew they'd be sleeping in. I got me up out of bed, my hair done, my makeup on to be on for 10 o'clock. First morning I did it was March 24th, I think, and seven people watched and they were my friends. And by the end of my stream of lives, which I think I did 57 in the end, um, over yeah, over a thousand people were watching every morning. And then I used to get little. So that. Yeah. So then I would get little messages. So then the first 27 or 28, I did every day, Monday, Sunday, Saturday, every single day. And then after a while, Nigel, my husband and my friends were saying, I think this thing is going to last a while. Maybe you should start taking the weekends off. But then I would get messages on a Saturday and say, I was sitting with my cup of tea and you weren't there. Because remember, we'll and we'd lost all track of what days were day what days were what so they were like my husband was will we go walk and I said no Lisa's on at 10 and then you weren't there and I realized it was Sunday 
So it was, it was very, very cute. So um, I did that. And that is really where my business happened. And um, people just started to approach me and say, do you do coaching? And I said, well, yes, but I have never done it via Zoom. So I started coaching people via Zoom and then I've started my then I started my own little Facebook group. So it's 16 pounds to be in my Facebook group, and that's like my mentoring little group. Um and I have a couple of hundred people in there and I go on there three times a week and do lives and we have Zoom chats and I have guests on there speaking. It's all about getting control of your thoughts, being your best self improvement self-improvement knowing your awesomeness and then developing and uh, reprogramming some behaviors that haven't worked for you and then bringing that greatness to other people I love that and you know what I love about it as well is how it's so important to have the self in the relationship like that's really important and just when you were saying then about your Facebook group and your little community and being aware of your thoughts I've seen that Facebook group and it was interesting that it wasn't like a this is a relationship Facebook group but actually women or anybody listening to this working on themselves has profound impact in a relationship like huge mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I was under the impression that your generation had got different messaging than my generation I believe now that you've actually got all my messaging and worse and um, so when I so my big girls now are 18 and 19 but when I saw them coming through school I was sort of saying things like um so and they were like no mommy that's not happening and I'm like so did you no mommy that's not happening so self-worth within a relationship it's the thing it's the key knowing respecting loving yourself knowing that you're worth a great love first for yourself and then to share that that's the thing that's the thing yeah I love that because I think my whole journey started when I just had no self-worth in a relationship at all and you know what's interesting like before that you know you you grow up and I had insecurities and there was things that I struggled with but I never felt that sense of like I'm not good enough and I never understood that validation for another person to make me feel like I was good enough and then my my first experience of that was in a relationship. And honestly, coming out of that relationship, I felt like I died a million times because I was like, I don't know who I am. And I'm guessing that's one of the big things that you teach when you when you do counseling with people is like teach that, like have your own essence because it's so important. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the mystery to me. If we don't love and accept ourselves, why are we out looking for people to love and accept us? Mm. Why? Why? Because we think somewhere in the programming and the messaging that we've got is if someone else loves and accepts us, then it's okay for us to love and accept ourselves. So we're somewhere or other looking for this approval via someone else. But let's remember that someone else probably doesn't love and accept themselves. So how the hell is that going to work? No, and that's where you notice like when you're in relationships and all of this all of these wounds are coming up and these cycles and these triggers. And it's like, that's one of the things I can never wrap my head around when I do the self-love work. And when I do a module in my program about uh, around relationships and I say like, it's exactly what you've just said. Like, why are we looking for that person? Or why can we love another person, but we can't love ourselves? You know, like, why can we hold space for other people and give everything to another person? But we just neglect ourselves. Like, where has that gone wrong for us? Is what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it comes from our limiting beliefs. Remember, yeah. limiting, limiting. It comes from the people, the experts, the mummies, the sisters, the aunties, the Sunday school teachers, the youth club leaders, saying, "What are you like? For goodness' sake, would you ever give over?" All those things that people have said to us that makes us be small. Try to stay small. Try to stay less than to make others happy. That's where I believe it comes from. But who knows? Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. It's like a, what's that saying, isn't it? Like it's that cliche saying, but it's so true. You've got to fill your own couple to be able to mm-hmm. give out to others. And it's like, that's a really, really important part of my relationship now. And sometimes my partner doesn't understand that and it can make him feel like slightly vulnerable. I mean, it, 
I think it's like that codependency in people as well. Like because I'm not that codependent, because I work hard to fill my own cup up, and then I bring the version of Lydia to the relationship that needs to be there. And sometimes you can just feel like he's not needed. And I'm like, but that's not what a relationship should should be about. And again, that's just all programming from movies and all this thing. Yeah. You know, things I always teach it, and you've heard me say this numerous times, Lydia. Two whole people building a relationship. You want a relationship with your guy. You want to build a relationship with your guy. You don't want to build Lydia through your guy. No. You want to build a relationship together. And do you think that's where a lot of people from your experience of working with couples is that the missing, like what's the biggest missing piece for people? Um, well, lockdown, that's a whole different scenario, but I think, don't start me, um, a lot of people, myself included, were codependent, go into a relationship being very codependent, and um, this person's going to complete me, this is my best friend, all the stuff, and then after all the lust chemicals calm down, and we're actually in this real thing, you're like, okay, you're not actually that perfect after all. And I'm looking for you to complete me. I think I kind of have this more together than you do. And that's friction starts, friction starts. But that person is just a person with all their stuff and all their baggage and all their woundedness, just like we are. And we put, if you're with a guy and you put the guy on the Prince Charming thing, and then he falls off his pedestal, not only has he fallen off his pedestal, but you've fallen off your pedestal because you chose him and you put him up there. And now he's not perfect. So what does that make you? It feels like the expectations as well, doesn't it, that we set around relationships? And this is like, if I'm being honest, is a bit is something I struggle with. And like when I'm in therapy, I have to talk about this a lot and I have to do like a lot of work around this because I notice there's a side of me that has high expectations. And I like the things I expect, I reflect, and it's like sometimes I can just punish Luke for not living up to those expectations. And then I'm like, whoa. Like we talk about loving someone wholeheartedly, but then we set these expectations. And all that happens is I end up like fucking pissed off because I'm like, you should know what my expectations are, but they're so unrealistic. It's like, it's not fair to love someone like that. I was coaching somebody oh, the other day. Isn't it? it is. I was coaching somebody the other day and she said, I did what you told me. And I was like, okay, that's good. Um, and I just said, please book dinner for Saturday night. I really want to go out and I really want you to book dinner for Saturday night. And he did. And the guy goes, I didn't actually do it. I said, could you do it? Um, and I said, I don't care. You said your needs. You said your needs. You said what you need to make this relationship work. You had your expectations. You said your needs and the person met them. Awesome. Awesome. This business of, you know, they should just want to do this because blah, blah, blah. And they should just want to. Say what your needs, know what your needs are, not from a damaged little girl need fix thing. I need to know that you'll text me a couple of times a day. I need to know that when you say you'll be home at five, if you're not going home at five, you're going to message to say I'm going to be half an hour late. These are not big expectations. This is basic stuff. This is basic stuff. And if the person you're with can't fulfill that, it's not your fault. You have to think to yourself, are they able to be in a relationship? I don't think they're quite able to be in a relationship yet. It doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just doesn't make them very able to be in a relationship. Maybe they have to do some work on themselves. Or maybe they're very um, controlling. Or maybe um, very jealous. You know what, mate? I'm not sure if you're ready to be in a relationship. Because you need to look at all that shit. I can't fix that for you. Mm. Yeah, that feels like a big thing. And it's like... Sometimes we have this nature, don't we? And I think as well, like a lot of women I work with have this nature where they want to like fix. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I, when I unpick that and sit with that and I know when I've personally done that, I'm like, is that because we have things that need, we need to look at about ourselves that we don't do the work on ourselves. So we like mirror that out and want to fix somebody else to make us feel better. So it's like, we're getting that self-gratification from trying to fix another person. Mm-hmm. And when you realise that actually that's not your fucking responsibility, well, 
doesn't love just become like a little bit more easier mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. here to save people but again mm-hmm. like this feeds back into the stories that we know about love and all the yeah. BS that told. well somebody told me this one time and I thought this was very good the more we fix other people the more we steal their journey from them Ooh, that's a good one because the more we fix and fix and fix they have to journey their thing just like we've had to journey our thing and you're stealing it from them holding space holding space just seeing your person just hearing your person that's all you need to do and the other couple of weeks ago we had a situation where Nigel came home and he was like oh you never guess what happened today blah 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 and I went to say you know what maybe you should have done or do you know what other way you could have coped with that and he turned to me and he said Hmm. what about you just hold space and I was like not funny not one tiny bit funny but you're absolutely right go ahead mate tell us your story well I love how you talk about your because you've been married to Nigel for 30 oh together for like 30 odd years haven't you yeah and I've you've openly spoke about you know being it well we've done a live together and you were speaking about doing these weeks and these cycles for like 25 years and then you mm-hmm. changed it all and I think as well, sometimes I do think, what is it that makes, well, I'll let you answer this. Like, what is it that <laughs> makes the relationship lasting? Because the fear I have as a young woman is, can I be in a long lasting relationship? Like the way that we are as young people. There's a few things. Esther Perel, I'm sure you've read her books. Um, I love her books. So she would talk a lot about most likely you're going to have three long-term relationships in yeah. our lifetime, in our lifetime. We're going to have three long, we're going to have a love. We're going to, you know, that's going to end. We're going to, some of us have that same relationship with the same person. Yeah. So when I look back on Nigel and I's relationship from like 18 until 30, when we had kids, that was that relationship. There's still, it still resembles it now, but it's totally different now. And then I look at our relationship when we were raising our children when they were little. And that was totally different. A lot of, a lot of codependency with me there. A lot of codependency with me there. And now I look at our relationship as this more mature, loving, far less codependent, two whole people bringing their greatness to each other and fulfilling a great relationship, working on their relationship like it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Wanting a beautiful, beautiful thing, a beautiful, beautiful relationship, respecting each other, knowing each other's boundaries, knowing what each other expect from each from one another, and building a beautiful relationship. Mm, yeah. But it's hard. Oh. You know what, Lisa? <laughs> that's one of the things that I've learned since I've got older. And it's like a realization that slaps you in the face. And it's quite a hard pill, pill to swallow is when you understand that loving another person is fucking difficult. And it's a massive I say to people, yeah. I say to people, it's like a job that you should love. You should absolutely, you love your job. I love my job, but it's still work. You still get up in the morning going, okay, I need to get those appointments booked in. Need to get that. Da, 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 da. I love yeah. my work. I would never, I will be doing this the day I die. People say about retiring. I'll not retire. I love this. It fills me up. I love helping people. I love serving. It was what, it's my new purpose. All the things at 40, whatever age I am now. Um, you know, but it is still work. I have to get up. I have to put the emails in the thing. I have to make the Google Calendar stuff work. I have to, you have to do the things to make a business work. Yeah. Even though you love it and it fills you up. It's exactly the same in relationship. You got to do the things that make the relationship work. Mm. It should be pleasant work. There are some times when you have to put in a lot of patience, when you put in a lot of care, when you have to look a lot at your own ego and say, what is this? What is this mirroring to me? Where am I cracking up here? Whenever this is just a mirror of what, and Nigel and I joke and we go, what is the moon doing? Could she just calm down for a minute and stop <laughs> already? It's enough. Um, and he jokes and goes, I'm more affected by her than you. So you just be, you know, he's, he jokes and says, I'm like, oh, my days. So, or we'll joke and say, what needs to be cleared? Oh, great. Awesome. Brilliant. I'm so glad that caught for us again, you know? <laughs> and that's the way you look at it. That's the way you look at it. For Nigel and I, we choose each other every day. Yeah. And that's it. 
We show up for each other every day. We choose each other every day. And that for us is our relationship. And it is, a, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it is a choice, but also mm-hmm. I think we, this, it, and it goes back to the expectations again about love should be easy and loving another person should be easy. But, you know, when we're going on these self-development journeys, like from, I've only been with my boyfriend like two and a half years, but I'm such a different person from when I met him, <laughs> like in 2018. And it's like, you have to adapt to, if you're with somebody who's committed to like a growth journey or if you are as well you'll have to adapt to like your partner will have to get to know you it's like Luke has to get to it has to be like reintroduced to me every time I go through these like massive shifts and it's like a reset in the relationship it's like okay what's still the stuff that's coming up and being triggered and especially for me because I'm a Scorpio woman so I have like this really conscious side of me and then I just have this side of me that is like fucking stinging and we'll just yeah. be like Matt <laughs> when I when I started on my with my coach, oh goodness, that was probably four or five years ago. Um, yeah, absolutely, stuff came up. But also, we would have this. We would have the flip side here, where the kids would say to me, <clears throat> "Is it not time for you to go back where we visit with your lady person? I think it's time, Mummy. I think I think maybe <laughs> it's time." Um, and Nigel would say things like, "How much is this costing me?" And I would say, "Well, he goes, oh, just pay her double. Whatever it is she's doing is working." You know, we would have jokes like this because the growth journey should bring you to the best version of yourself. Mm. So I was a huffer. I huffed in our relationship for 25 years. So we had an argument. I love this story, you know. (laughs) My go-to is huffing, huffing. I will shut down and I could huff for Ireland. Four days, five days, whatever. And Nigel's is defensiveness. So that is not a good mix. That is not a good mix. But the growth journey makes us look at those triggers and go, what the freaking hell am I doing? Mm. And it is unpleasant. It is unpleasant. And what's more unpleasant is when you get the information and you go, oh, Jesus Christ, I've been doing that for this many years. And all I had to do was stop doing it. But we don't, we don't do shame and guilt. We just go say, now we know better, we do better. And that all came from our family of origin. And we've had to look at it. And I'm just always so impressed girls your age and guys your age are getting this 20, 20 years before I did, which is awesome. I know, I know. I mean, it does make the process a little bit easier, but also like I am I go defensive. Like I know when I'm embodying that side of me, like I go. And what I found as well in our relationship is I was, because when I was on my growth journey, I was like completely trying to suppress that side of me because I don't, it's like a, it's difficult, isn't it? You don't like being triggered, but it's a part. Like if we talk about like shadow self and stuff, it's a part of it that we're going to be that way. And some mm-hmm. triggers we may never, ever be able to get fully rid of. I just say if we've got the awareness mm-hmm. and we commit to being a little bit better next time, then that's okay. But when I go, when I'm in my defensive, it's like I was saying to my friend the other day, it's like I, I feel myself swallowing a bit of pill <laughs> when I know I have to like communicate or apologize and then after that, I get like so much shame. Mm-hmm. I'm just You're like, why has she come back up again? Like, why is Lydia who still got the triggers from the first relationship? Like, why is she still coming back into this space? And or especially when you're going to be the conscious one. But yeah, no, yeah. Oh, no. I can tell you a couple of stories about that one. And um, what does Ber- Bernie Brown talk about? The shame shitstorm? Is that what she talks about? And you're just. You're just in that shame and you're just like, I know I'm wrong and I can't even say it out my mouth because I'm so wrong. And yeah, that's vulnerability. That's vulnerability. But uh, do you think there hasn't been times in this household that Nigel's been out to the garage and said she calls herself, she's not like, don't call myself, the bloody relationship coach. She need to have a good talk to herself, you know? Lisa, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I stand in here sometimes and go, well, that's it. The page is over. That's it. It's done. I can't ever go back on a live again. <laughs> You know, ego, 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 you know? And then he walks in and I go, well, we'll try again. Sure, let's try again. Let's just try again. Let's get our egos under control and try again. Mm. And we go again. We reset and we go again. You know why, Lydia? Because we choose each other and we love each other. And we give each other another go. I think people, it's nice for people to, is that something me and my, like me and my partner all say to each other, we all say like, 
I wake up every day and I choose you. And I'm like, it's just that reminder, isn't it? And I think often we don't remind ourselves of that. Like we feel so stuck when, and this comes down to like attachments and stuff and everything that comes when you take like you're in a relationship, but you feel like you're stuck in that moment. And actually if you just reframe it to, for people, sorry, and say, no, you have a choice. Like, do you choose that person? Do they choose mm-hmm. you every day? And if you do, you work exactly like what you've said on being the best that you can be. And I just think that's so powerful when you reframe it like that, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 And when we get angry or defensive, it's just so hard to talk to ourselves logically like that. Oh, so no. we need a minute. So sometimes people say never go to sleep in an argument. I don't believe that. I'm big with just let all your emotions calm down. We have a utility room and Nigel calls it the emotional TARDIS. We go out there and we have a talk to ourselves. Lisa, who is showing up? What is actually happening here? Could you have a talk to yourself? Maybe it's an inner child chat. Maybe it's like you've just had a stressful day and you've taken it out. Maybe it's whatever it is. Identifying what it is and coming back to your person, the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insecurities have a lot to play as well. Mm -hmm. Ego showing up, don't be. So Mm -hmm. what is your take on insecurities and dealing with them in a relationship I had a, I had a oh yes so well you know per night I tell everybody everything um we had a thing a couple of weeks ago um where I did something about money or something about something and he came back a little bit defensive I felt a little bit defensive um about it and I just uh, back in the day I would have been then right back you know bicker 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 but mm-hmm. I said okay I hear you. I hear you. So then we were in the car later on. And sometimes the best conversations happen side by side, not face to face. Okay. Side by side, walking side by side in the car. People feel less triggered by that. And especially if you're in defensive mode, you'll feel less triggered by that. So I said, I need to explain to you what happened this morning and how I felt triggered. And sometimes he rolls his eyes because he knows that. But I just ignore that. And he says, I know, sweetheart, go ahead, tell me. And I have to say, when I felt controlled, which I wasn't being controlled at all, but when I felt controlled, it reminded me of being 12 and asking for pocket money. So can we talk about it now in like two grown-up partners wanting to figure out this money stuff? He might come back with, that hurts my feelings because I don't really think I am like that, blah, blah. I can come back with, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. So let's talk about it now. In the present, like two grown-ups, leaving mm. our 12-year-old selves at the door. Mm. That's hard work. That is hard work. But, you know, when you're saying that, it resonates with me because I remember conflicts in old relationships for me when insecurities came up. I was just like, well, that's when I'd go full into my Scorpio woman. And also they wouldn't, I wouldn't hold any space or it it wasn't even like a thing in my head for the other person's perspective. It was like straight shut down, like, no, I'm insecure, like I'm triggered and it's all about me. And one of the things in this relationship, which me and Luke always work hard to do is if I've been, so I will say, Luke does exactly the same because fucking hell is she getting all deep about something. So I will say, oh, like something's triggered me. And he will say, okay, so this is my perspective, the intention behind it. But I appreciate if 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 that's how you've, it's come across to you. And just that makes so Mm -hmm. much difference because Mm -hmm. then instantly like that cat inside me, like who's got her back up, just goes, turns into like a little kitten. And she's like, okay, we can communicate. It's Mm -hmm. safe for me to come out and be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep I would teach people when you say your truth the other person says back okay so here's what I heard yeah and then you say Lydia okay well that's not exactly what I meant so let me try again because we only we hear through our own lens yeah we do we hear through our own lens so it's very important to say what 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 did you what what did you hear me saying there? What did you hear? And then when they come back and they hear, I think you're tired. You're like, okay, no, that's not what I'm saying. Let me try again. And then we're taking responsibility for telling the story or telling the incident 
in a different way and bringing that to your person rather than saying, you're an idiot, you can't even hear me. Let me have another go at trying to explain it to you better. Like sometimes I explain, sometimes when I'm coaching people, I'll say like relationships are like a cup. We must fill the cup. And sometimes guys, just their eyes are glazed over. Women are like, oh, coffee. Yes, excellent. And then I say, okay, imagine you are trying to um, look after your lawn and your flowers and your shrubs in your garden. What do you have to do? Oh, well, I have to fertilize it. Mm -hmm. What else do you have to do? I have to water it. That's your relationship. Mm -hmm. You have to pick the story that really goes with the person, really Mm -hmm. hits home with them, you know? Yeah. I think as well, one of the big things I've realized in in love and relationships is taking ownership for my insecurities and triggers. Mm -hmm. Because one of the biggest things I used to do was just like reflect. And I noticed how that would come. Like if we were in conflict, I would just be like, like irrational, but also it was my my trigger and my insecurity. And yes, the conditions of the relationship had caused that. But if I wasn't taking ownership for what was mine, then how can I, how could I heal that? Like, how could I understand that? And instead I would just like purely reflect that onto the other person. And one of the things now that's been a game changer for me is going, okay, this is my insecurity. Like, what can I do to heal this? What can I bring my partner in? What needs to be brought into this space for us to heal it together? And I think people don't, from from conversations I've had with women around insecurities, it's like they don't take that level of awareness or ownership for their insecurity. And then when they get into new relationships is when you see cycles repeating because they expect the partner to heal that. And I'm like, no, that's yours. You take that. Within that, you can tell your partner, this is a thing for me. Can you please tread gently? So absolutely. I would be very, I could be a bit protective and insecure about the business. So I was doing a webinar last month, I think, or two months ago. And Nige, he doesn't really watch that much. He's listened to me blather on. He doesn't need to watch, but he was there um, for the first wee while. And he said, can I talk to you about the webinar? And I said, okay, gently, easy, easy. And he said, I know, sweetheart, I got you. I got you. Like, please, 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 Nige, I'm already, my inner child is freaking out right now. Have I made a fool of myself in front of 60 people? This was just my ego, my inner child was going off. My inner critic was going off because he just said, can I have a wee word with you about the webinar? And I was like, gently, okay, easy. I'm, I'm here. I wanted to fly. I want fight or flight. We're kicking in. And I wanted to flight. I wanted to flight. And I was like, nope, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I don't want to fight either. I'm just going to sit right in it, sit right in it. And he said, when people come to webinars, Lisa, they are buying the information, but they're also buying the person. And I went, okay, I get that. I can totally get that. You know, then he told us an example about we sold the house one time and we sold it to a couple who we really liked because we wanted them to have our wee home. And he's like, you know, remember when we sold the house and we wanted the right people? So, or maybe you go to a restaurant and you would have a bad experience, but it was actually fine. The waiter was just horrible, you know? Mm -hmm. People are buying you as well as the information. And I was like, okay, I find that my own insecurities find that hard to deal with, but I'll go with you with that. So, sweetheart, what we need when you start the webinar is for you to show up at the gate. I saw mm-hmm. you 20 minutes in. I do this thing where I shake my shoulders. I said, I saw you 20 minutes in go, okay. And he said, then you arrived. My Lisa then arrived. Oh, you sound so cute, Nudge. Always oh, pain in the arse sometimes. But, <laughs> um, but I need you, the people want you to show up at the gate. So, you know, but every part of me wanted to go, no, 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 I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. But I know he loves me. I know I'm in a secure relationship and I had to sit right in it and listen to his truth. And he was right. And that's, you know, at least that's what I find so difficult because it's like Luke knows me better in some myself. And it's like where exactly the same feeling you get when he tells me something. And I'm just like, I he sees me in ways that I don't see me and it's Mm -hmm. like you can't escape it and even if it is an insecurity or it is a cycle that's repeating and you think on the surface no I've got this site I'm right you know I don't Mm -hmm. repeat those cycles 
And then to sit in that is like, Mm. okay, this is an element of love that is deep and requires Mm -hmm. trust, but it's (laughs) fucking uncomfortable. One of the first books I read was Glennon Doyle's Love Warrior. And he talks about sitting in the hot yoga for an hour and 10 minutes, which is like, I can't even do any yoga. I just have to sit there and cry and sweat. That's all I do. I just sit there and cry and sweat. And the yoga instructor comes and taps me on the shoulder at the end and goes, good job. Sometimes you just have to sit right in it, face all your triggers and just sit right in it and hear what your person who loves you and respects you and cares for you. And this, what we're talking about now, Lydia, is for people who are in relationships who know they're with a loving, caring partner, not someone toxic who doesn't, who just wants their agenda met. Someone who actually wants mm. to bring us to an even better version of ourselves. Yeah, I know. And I think you, you know, you begin to see the difference. And I think you can feel into those things as you do your own self-development work. It's like mm-hmm. you can see the people who are selfish, who can't hold space. And I also say to women, like, it's okay if that relationship is not for you because of that reason. Like, it's actually a form of self-worth and self-love. Like, the person doesn't have to do anything dramatic. It doesn't have to get to the point where there's, like, this big obvious thing wrong or trust is broken or it can just be that your emotional needs aren't being met by that person and that's absolutely fine. It doesn't make them the a bad person. It just doesn't make them the right person for you. That's as simple as it is. You're a beautiful person, but you mightn't be the person for somebody else. I love and accept myself, but I know I would, I'm mental to be in a relationship with. I need someone like Nige who loves the crazy. Yeah. You know? Mm. Just because we love and accept ourselves doesn't mean we're right for everybody. And relationships work or they don't work. They end or they work. They don't fail. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. And we're sad and we grieve, but it's just a thing. Yeah. What would you say for anyone listening to this who is maybe thinking, oh, this doesn't align with me with my partner? Like my partner doesn't, you know, hold space in the way that you guys are explaining or whatever's coming up for people. How would you say they can navigate this? Be honest with your expectations. A huge problem in relationships is when expectations do not meet reality. We make up the expectation in our head. We have fairy tailed it for ourselves in our head. Um, and we have forgotten to express that to our person. I can't tell you many people I coach who, well, on Friday night, he didn't. I said, did you tell him? Did you say? Did you tell him you wanted four? I was 40, 40 year old birthday parties had been ruined because he didn't organize me a surprise party. I'm like, okay, if you wanted a surprise party, you need to say, I want a party. Make your needs a priority. Tell your person, yes, of course, when we love and cherish each other, we should be doing nice things. And, but sometimes you're with people who don't have that in their toolkit, just don't have it in their toolkit. I do not have in my toolkit booking hotels and things. That's not my thing. My sister-in-law messaged me this morning and said, what number is the house? And I said, are you mistaking me for someone who knows that shit? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think that, you know, we just took, I think you mistook me for Nigel for a second. Okay. So that's not in my toolkit. But if Nigel says to me, sweetheart, could you go and find me the blah, blah, blah? Yes, of course I could. But it's not in my, it's not in my toolbag. Okay learn each other's love language learn each other's love language and try your absolute best to speak each other's love language if you're in a relationship with someone and they cannot do a simple love language test for you you gotta think how in this relationship are they yeah no I also think it's really important as well sometimes to have a little bit of patience because from my experience anyway, my relationship, like when I first got with Luke, he was not like he, flowers. He was like, what do you want about nice thing? He didn't even like cuddle mm-hmm. in bed. He mm-hmm. was just, he wasn't used to the the closeness of being with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I come along and I was like all like just a love affection and love all of these things. 
heat and it was like small things over time like now he'll make me a cup of tea in bed and he and it's a it's a it's a big thing and sometimes I think our ex when we're saying about expectations and our needs it's like you may get with somebody you have a deep connection with and they may not meet your needs that's okay but if they're trying mm-hmm. and they're and they're progressing in ways that is showing you that you're loved then that's really important so now like a cup of tea is like for most people it'd be like it's a fucking cup of tea but it's the fact that he now wakes up and he goes, I'm going to make Lydia a cup of tea, which shows, you know, that attentiveness. And mm-hmm. I always say that to people as well. It's like the nature process in a relationship. And it's OK if you meet somebody and they don't tick everything straight away. Like, that's OK. Mm-hmm. I think to the I take it you told him you like a cup of tea in bed. He didn't come up with that magically himself. No. So I just used to say to him when he used to wake up, could you make me a cup of tea, please? And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, I just love having a cup of tea in bed and a coffee in bed. And now he's just got to the point where he naturally does that. Yeah. So you said your expectations. Yeah. You said your expectations. The danger sometimes, Lydia, is, so the way I teach it is we have four centers. We have our head, our heart, our gut, and our sex center. Mm-hmm. You can meet somebody and your heart is just goodness they are just the most gorgeous thing ever and your sex center is like they are so hot I just want to be shagging all day long okay but maybe intellectually they're not on the same wavelength as you or maybe they don't find the same jokes funny as you do or maybe Mm. they have opinions now people are entitled to their own opinion but maybe you're like "Mm, I'm not sure about that and then once your mind maybe thinks okay are we on the same wavelength here then your gut starts saying things like, I don't know, I'm not sure. What we need is for these four centers to be giving us a positive yes. Mm. Four centers giving us. You could meet someone in a club and be like, you are the hottest thing. I want to have sex with you. That does not make for a relationship. No. That's just your sex center getting ticked. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Don't get mixed up and think, oh, now we're in a relationship. Because does your gut, does your heart, does your mind, do your values align? Are you both wanting love and wanting to create a beautiful relationship? Does your gut feel right? Does it feel right? Mm. And then your sex center. Yeah, I think as well, that, that's one of the biggest things. Because I know I this is probably the relationship I am the most committed to in terms of like that I've probably ever been in terms of like holding space and all of the stuff that we've discussed. Um, And I think one of the biggest things to me is because despite all the differences and the struggles, like we have this vision that aligns and we have these values that align. And it's like, you know, all of this shit that comes up all the time. It's like for me deep down, I'm like, okay, I know that the values that I hold and the vision that we share together is it's huge it's massive mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that people either they're not aware of or they pull away from when it's just like oh you're hot like the sex is amazing and <laughs> all of the or like oh you drive a nice car and you take me out and spoil me whatever surface level stuff comes up I think when you come back to like a love language and or like understanding that you can love each other right but also understanding values is when you go okay is this somebody I can commit to is this somebody who can commit so, to me and give to me? I always suggest to people, go away, write down your 10 core values. Yeah. Then come back together and see what overlaps. And hopefully there'll be about five of them that overlap and make that your mission statement. Love a couple mission statements. Just uh, like a business would. It's your mission statement to each other. Loyalty, yeah. travel, fun. Um, sex, growth, all yeah. those things. And that's your couple mission statement. And then when I coach couples, sometimes I tell them that they can involve it in their wedding vows. Oh, that's so cute, isn't it? That's such a nice idea. One of the, um, you know, as well, like we've touched, like, like we've mentioned it, but pleasure, like sex mm-hmm. is a big thing in relationships. Mm-hmm. Sex and pleasure is so big for self-love. And you know what like makes me so sad is the amount of women that are just having bad sex, like in relation mm. in relationships as well. And it's like the amount of relationships that don't, it's like once you get to a certain point in your relationship and that like novelty wears off, it's like 
sex doesn't become important but that's just something we tell ourselves because it's very important but also why the the lack of pleasure in relationships like why like what is going on (laughs) I can't I can't I don't know how I, I just don't know two things at the beginning, oh, there's night. Hi. Um, at the beginning of a relationship, your sex life is guided by um all the hormones. Okay, all the hormones, lust mm-hmm. hormones. Okay, so that's what's that's what's driving your sex life the first eighteen months. And what we want is to get past that and actually make love, actually connect, actually have intimacy. And that's where the stumbling block comes. People have the great sex for the first 18 months. And then that dries up, for the want of a better word, and they haven't got the tools to get to the next part. Mm. And that's where we need to put in the time. That's where we need to prioritize it. You know, at the start, it just all happens so naturally and it's all just so, and you just can't wait to be with each other. Then after about 18 months, the honeymoon effect book, the honeymoon effect talks about this a lot. So it's about continuing to keep that consciousness really conscious in your relationship and making your sex life a really conscious thing in your relationship. Yes, there's going to be stressful times when your sex life is not going to be really high up in your to-do list, but we must think, okay, it's been three days, it's been four days, it's been five days. Let's make time for each other. Yeah. And here's the other thing. A woman's pleasure is her responsibility. Oh, very much so. Okay. Did I see a TikTok of all things that said um, 70% of women who are in same-sex relationships orgasm? 10% of women who are in hetero relationship orgasms or hetero relationships orgasm. What? That is not the guy's fault. No. That is the woman's issue that they need to deal with. I didn't come. What are we going to do about that? I know. And you know, imagine uh, if it was the other way around, Lydia. No, <laughs> that would, they wouldn't. Men would just like lose their shit and they wouldn't be able to cope. But I think one of the most liberating things I've ever done is use my voice when it comes to pleasure. And I will mm-hmm. like, there'll be certain moments when I'm having sex and it's like, I demand, like, I demand pleasure. And I say, like, no, I've not. I've not had pleasure in this experience and I want it. And I think when you begin opening yourself out that way, it's a game changer because mm-hmm. it's not pleasure has such a ripple effect in the relationship and mm-hmm. the, in the, the connection and how you feel in yourself. And one of the biggest books I actually done a live on it last year, Esther Perel's Intimacy Versus Desire. And I was just like the distance. And I was like, I've always found Luke so attractive when I'm watching him and when people come on to Luke I am so like oh my god I just want to take you home right now (laughs) and she explains that perfectly but when I was insecure there was no room for space it had to be close and we had to be together all the time and that's codependency so desire lives in distance Desire lives in distance. Or the way I would say it, it's like Anessa Perel talking this, it's in the third. It's seeing your person as an absolute individual. I was yeah. talking to some, I did a podcast actually somebody a couple of weeks ago and they said their husband was out chopping logs. And she was like, oh my days, that was it. I was just mm-hmm. like, I suggest because he was living in this full masculine energy, you know, you just, mm-hmm. and she was like, I hadn't looked at him like that for months. And I was like, yep, that's the one. And lockdown has stolen that from us so much. Lockdown has stolen that from us yeah. so, so much. Um, but yeah, we have to make it a priority. It is the glue to long-term relationships. And here's the other thing. Good sex makes for more good sex. Yeah, It's like going to the gym. You go to the gym, you start to see a difference in your body. You're like, oh, I'm killing it. I'm back to the gym. Yeah, this is awesome. Oh, we had great sex. Do you want to have it tonight? My teenagers now know when Nigel's less annoying to me. They're so like, we would have this thing, the tea bag gets left in the sink sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. Your daddy just left the tea bag. I'll get it. They're like, really, mommy? Yesterday, that wasn't okay. <laughs> Look, you know, you just like let everything slide. Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't see what he did for me last night, so yeah, he can leave the tea bag there. It's (laughs) fine. I love it. 
one of the things this experience that we were speaking about by the time I release this episode, everyone will know, but the whole situation with the surgery has made me understand when you were saying yeah. about pleasure being our responsibility is our sensuality is an energy mm-hmm. thing and actually it's our responsibility. So at the minute, you know, I don't have, I don't, I'm missing an implant. I've got one boob. However, on Saturday, I felt like a fucking goddess. Yesterday, I felt so sexual. I like turned up at week's work and I was just like flirting and giving them the eyes. And I was like, sexuality is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want him to make me feel sexy, but it's a me thing. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, that's very important for a lot of women to realize. And I said this last year set the scene to feel sexy like it's okay to do that like you can consciously be like I'm gonna try and play it today and you know like put the music on and set the vibes and you can play into that and set the scene mm-hmm. up without your partner realizing what you're doing and then it'll just seem like it's all spontaneous and sexy <laughs> but you're like now I set it up so I'm gonna get mine <laughs> yeah absolutely a lot of young moms would have would struggle with this too and i was like this when I was a young mom and also I'm like it now too that going from being a mom to a sexual being that's a tricky one yeah you basically have baby vomit on your shoulder and your husband comes up and starts scrooping you it's tricky it's a hard one it's it's definitely difficult to get and and a lot of women you know I would say try to get the kids off to bed even if you're just up in their rooms so you can have that time just get in the shower and shave your legs like basic thing for you for you to feel sexy put on the nice body lotion have the nice positive affirmations to yourself you know I'm a sexual being I deserve pleasure you know Mm. all those sort of things all those things try to it's shifting women's biggest sex organ is their mind yeah it's getting that mind shifted into sexual sensual being yeah and then you bring that to your person yeah I love that I remember I spoke about it last year and um, when I was doing a live and I was like stop waiting for the perfect moment like often the spontaneity so because often as women we're so in our minds aren't we Mm -hmm. I was saying like if your partner comes up to you and he's like trying to instigate sex but instead of thinking oh I've got all these millions of things to Mm -hmm. do I was like, just go with the flow and see what happens. And mm-hmm. I remember a woman messaged me and she was like, I've never done that. And I've just had the mind blowing sex, like mm-hmm. on, my living room, on my kitchen table. And I was like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Like, there Love you go. It. Like, because if you, if you're, if you activate that sensuality, it doesn't matter what you're doing or how you look. Like mm-hmm. you can bet that your partner will want to tap into that. Mm-hmm. And be like, tap. give me some of that. Tap into that. <laughs> Pardon the pun. last thing I want to I want to pick your brains about because I get asked about this a lot is and you can probably sum it up quicker than I can attachment styles in relationships um what are they and what what, how will people benefit from understanding so we spoke about love languages which is a separate Mm -hmm. thing but also we all have these attachment styles and we can flip between you know secure anxious so just give a little bit of insight on that. So we want, so we have secure, anxious and avoidant. Oh goodness, nearly lost one there. Um, so we all want to be secure. Obviously we want to be secure. Yeah. Two whole people building a relationship. Yeah. But sometimes you can, I'm a very secure person. Nigel's a very secure person. But sometimes within your argument, you can become either anxious or avoidant. And mm-hmm. it's just about recognizing that saying, okay, I'm getting anxious about this and now I'm over talking it to death. I take your apology. It's all good. Let's move on. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that the apology comes and I used to do this all the time. Then apology comes. So that was my opportunity to then start lecturing about why it shouldn't oh, have happened. Lisa and I used to do that all the time. Oh. And do you know why we do it? Because our mummies did it to us when we were teenagers. And we said, sorry, I didn't ring. That was our mom's opportunity to give us the lecture. Yeah, that, that's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like we just, meant nothing. yeah, so we just don't. But in the Facebook group, it was so funny. I did a wee live on this. I was like, okay, another lesson. I did already know this, but the universe chose to remind me about it again at the weekend. So I did this. And then the, the lovely girl in the Facebook group made like a meme, like made like a graphic of, um, my husband just apologized and I said, thank you. 
He's a very happy man. I'm over here in the corner twitching. (laughs) 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 But she knew she'd done the right thing, but it was just so out of character that she was like, had to have a good talk to yourself and calm down, you know? So, So, um, so that's where, um, that's where the anxious can show up within arguments. And then the avoidant can show up. We're not talking about this anymore. It's done. We dealt with that. We're not talking about it. So that can show up within stress. Even though you claim to be in a very secure person, those things can show up within your argument style. Mm, yeah, love them. Thank you so much. It's been a, a me. I knew it would be anyway. And Lydia, I'll just leave you on this because I know you like all the information. Did you know there's five apology styles? No. And there is. Since when? Like Since forever. forever. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Why have I never heard of them? And it's a free test online. Oh, okay. Well, I will have to have a look at that and see. I listened to an amazing podcast by Jay Shetty actually once. Mm-hmm. I was saying you have um, the style that is needed in his relationship. I think it was when it comes to an apology and he was saying him and his wife are very different in terms of that mm-hmm. so she will have space and then apologize he can just apologize in the moment mm-hmm. and I remember thinking well that's very interesting because when so that this is there, everybody wants the sorry but this mm-hmm. is then what needs to be added on to the sorry so for me I'll accept the sorry but I would also like to know what you're putting in place so it won't happen again yeah for some people it is I'm so sorry. Can can you forgive me? That wouldn't be one for me. Um, another one is uh, there's five of them, and I I can't remember them all. But um, they're diff- they're the sorry, and then what you need put in place as the add on to really sort of cement it for you. So that's really interesting. Mine is um, I'll accept the apology, but then I want I want to I want I want to hear if you mm-hmm. understand what you're apologizing for so like mm-hmm. what is it that you you're so i i guess what will luke be doing tonight <laughs> the apology test the um, <laughs> love language test <laughs> any and, test online <laughs> and there's an attachment style one as well <laughs> oh thank you so much um any and last little bit you want to add um I just think it's so easy sometimes. And Nigel and I do this too. It's just so easy when your ego takes over, when your inner child, when your stuff from family of origin comes up. We still see our coach um, just every six weeks or so. And she always says, guys, remember, you love each other. Yeah. Or Nigel's one that he likes to use is, just don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick. I love it. So simple. <laughs> The guy. It's just a guy. He just says to Jake, just a Jake, our son, our 13 year What about you just don't be a dick? How's that? What about that? Yeah, there's not, and you can say about that. It's just like, okay, yeah, fair enough, isn't it? Really? See what you're saying. Where can people find you? And, and you can say it to yourself as well. Just don't be a dick. Just oh, don't be a dick. There's been many a moments I've been in the bedroom <laughs> thinking, you're such a dick. Like, what are you doing? Um, where can people find you and how can they work with you? This Facebook group sounds, and it's super cheap as well. And it sounds yeah. amazing. So Instagram at relationship.coaching.ni, Lisa McFarland. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very active on Instagram and I do lives every Thursday on there, just a wee 20 minute or sometimes we, we come on, we have guests yeah. and things. Um, and then um, the Facebook, so just message me, just DM me on Instagram. That's fine. Just DM me on Instagram. Um, I am a couples coach. I work with couples. And um, if you want me one-to-one, you kind of have to come through the Facebook group because you get all the basics in the Facebook group and then I can just jump in where people sometimes, and you have this too, Lydia, I'm sure, people approach you to do one-to-one and you're like, Okay, where are you on your journey? You know, they've just heard of life coaching last week and you're like, oh my days. Um, so yeah. it's good to come to yeah, you know, those ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. Um, so come to the Facebook group and it's just a nice way, 16 pounds a month, and it's just a nice way, um, easy, relaxed. You don't have to interact, it's just watching, listening, seeing what other people are putting in. If you want to be interactive, you can. 
um, and it's £16 a month. So easy peasy. I went to Starbucks the other day and spent £12 on Frappa Macchinos or something. So, you know, it's £16 for the month. And whenever I do webinars, they're posted in the Facebook group. So you get all those for free. And there's all the webinars that I have done already in the Facebook group. That's amazing. Also, communities work yeah. so well, I think. That's yeah. what, one of the biggest things with my programme is because it's like a group programme, so it's women. It's I just love being in a space like that. So mm-hmm. I, I bet you that's where you're showing up and just being like yeah. through and sovereign. And I can get on there and go, okay, guys, not feeling it today. This is what's what's going on. Not feeling it today. Just, you know, in the middle of lockdown, you can get on and go, blah, blah. And then other people can put in and go, I'm so glad Lisa's feeling better. But now I'm not this week, you know, and it's lovely. And sometimes what happens for me, Lydia, which is just beautiful, is that I won't see the notification. I don't know why, but maybe I won't see the notifications or something until a Saturday afternoon. And I go on and they've held each other up without me. That's so nice. That, my whole heart my whole heart thank you so much you're very welcome I know it would be it's been a pleasure wasn't that just an amazing amazing episode if you did enjoy it please leave a review it helps more than you realize or screenshot tag me and Lisa on Instagram and just spread the love so have a gorgeous gorgeous day and I shall see you next week for the next episode